Acts 10.38 tells us that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Now I want to kind of talk about, you know, and more or less answer the question, what is the anointing? You know, we hear about it and many people who say the Bible read, they'll, they'll, they'll read about it or see things about it, but don't fully understand what it is or what it does. is God's anointing? You know, why, why is it so important? What is the purpose of it? You know, the anointing, very simply put, is the manifested presence and power of God. That's what the anointing is. It's something that is very tangible. You know, a lot of people, you know, they can go there. Uh, and unfortunately, so many Christians can grow up in church. They can read the Bible. They can know about God. They can have Jesus as their Lord and Savior. But they've never experienced the anointing before. They've never felt it. They've never, some people may not have even realized, you know, or, or been around different ministers or evangelists or, or great men of God who know and operate in the anointing. Because the anointing is something that is very tangible. It is real. It's not, it's not an emotion. It's not, you know, some ethereal concept of like, oh, it's just God's, you know, anointing and, you know, we can't really experience or anything. We just know it's there. It's not anything like that. The anointing is tangible. When you experience the anointing, when you begin to operate in the anointing, when you feel it moving in your life, you know it is the anointing. It is very tangible. It is very real. It's something that you can't, you know, you can't quite put it into words, what it feels like. You can't quite put it into words, you know, oh, it's this or this or this, or have like a theory or forum on, you know, like how to, to make it happen because it, it's not of our will. It's being, when we submit to God, when we submit to God, we obey his plans, we obey his instructions to our life, we seek him first. And when we become, begin to operate in areas of ministry, begin to operate in gifts, begin to operate what they say in the anointing, that's when it comes. It's not as we will, it's as God wills. And we just move and work with God and then he will bring about the anointing, the tangible presence of who he is, the tangible presence of his power, and we'll be able to accomplish things to bring him glory. So, you know, the, the anointing itself you know, it must be honored and it must be protected. If you're in an environment where it's lacking honor, and if you're in an environment where the individual who wants to begin to work in the anointing or operate under the anointing is not protecting the anointing, it will not be there because it has to be honored. It has to be respected. It has to be flowed with. You can't force it to happen. You can't work up in an emotional hype for it to happen. You can't, you know, it's, you can't do any of that. It's flowing with God. It's flowing with his presence. It's flowing with his Holy Spirit. It's flowing with the anointing and it's the flow. It's, you know, and, and, um, a good example of showing, you know, what it's like is we can show Samson, for example. Samson was anointed by God when he was born. You know, God said, this is going to be, this man 
you know, Samson is going to be born. He's going to do this. He's going to have great strength. And he was given three things not to do. He wasn't supposed to touch a dead body. He wasn't supposed to cut his hair. And he wasn't supposed to um, have relations with a woman who wasn't part of the, the tribe of Israel, who wasn't part of his tribe. Those were the three rules. Well, what ended up happening was Samson broke all those three rules. He didn't protect that anointing. He didn't steward that anointing. And since he was living in disobedience to what God had told him to do, he lost it. And it wasn't until the end of his life where he repented to God and God gave him one last, you know, another, another, um, he, he returned the anointing to him and he destroyed the, uh, area that he was in pulling the columns in and it all fell down and killed a lot of the Philistines. So we have to make sure that we protect the anointing. If it's not protected, if it's not honored, you will not see it manifest and you will not see it operate. You can't have a light regard for the anointing. You cannot have a light regard for the manifested presence of God, because if you have a light regard for it, you will never operate in it. You will never experience it. And you won't see it in your life because the Bible says, you know, like like Jesus, he said he's not going to cast. Don't cast your pearls before a swine. So if he's not going to send his anointing or allow someone to begin to work and operate within a certain level of anointing, if they don't have that um, ability to respect it or honor it, it, it has to be respected. It has to be honored. You know, the, what is the purpose of the anointing? You know, the anointing comes to destroy the works of the devil. That's what it does. You know, just as I, I started out reading Acts, it says he was he was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power and went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. So that's what the anointing does. It destroys the yokes of bondage, as Isaiah says. It destroys the yokes of bondage in our life. It sets the captives free. It brings deliverance to people. It sets them free from the works of the, the devil. And we can see this in Luke 4. 14, yeah, Luke 4, 14. And it says, this is Jesus reading, reading from Isaiah. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So this tells us what the anointing came to do. It came so that he could preach the gospel. So there is an anointing that will come upon individuals to be able to preach, to be able to teach from the word of God. You know, the Bible tells us that there was a difference between the way Jesus taught and the way that the Pharisees taught. They, they would say that when he speaks, he has an authority. So that's something, that's what the anointing does. It separates people. It separates those who are operating under the anointing, who are operating with the spirit of God versus those who are, you know, just reading something or trying to make something happen or working up emotional hypes or anything like that. There is a tangible difference. Somebody can have great ability and can be a great performer or great singer. And we're like, oh yeah, this is great. You can have somebody else who can perform 
out of a love of God operating under the anointing. And as they begin to sing and as they begin to worship and as they begin to minister to the Lord, other people will come along. You know, they'll, they'll feel the presence of God enter into the room. They'll feel something different in the atmosphere. Some people may be healed. Some people may be delivered. You know, these things will happen when a worship leader is operating under the anointing. The same thing with a pastor. If a pastor or teacher is operating under the anointing, you will gain revelation from their teaching. You will gain freedom from their teaching. You will say, oh, I understand things now. My life is going to be changed because the anointing was, it was present. And when the anointing is present, it will destroy the works of the devil. It will, that's what the purpose of it is. It destroys the yokes of bondage. So we, you know, and what else does anointing do? If you keep reading, it says that he, it gave recovery of sight to the blind and set to liberty those who are oppressed. So the anointing brings healing. It's when we operate in the gifts of the spirit. You know, all the different gifts that might be listed from prophecy, you know, the gift of speaking in tongues, all of these things can be operated from and come from the anointing that Jesus, Jesus gives us to do to accomplish what he's called us to do. The anointing comes so that we can accomplish and do what God called us to do. So if he's called you to go and minister to an individual, you believe in him, you trust in him, you rely on him, you walk in obedience and the anointing will come to give you the ability to overcome that situation, will give you the ability and the skill set to do something that on and by yourself you cannot do. It's impossible to do. You know, something we need to understand is that the anointing, you know, it comes with a cost. And when I say cost, I don't mean money cost. There's a difference. And this is something, you know, I want to, to let, let you guys know. But the, the anointing itself, how you receive the anointing, it cannot be bought. You can't buy the anointing. You can't come to some minister and be like, oh, I'm going to pay for my healing. I want to pay for this. I want to pay for that. Don't do that. And don't be swindled by people who, who may promote services like that. You know, like if you, you give this amount of money, I'll give you a personal prophecy. Like don't fall for schemes like that. Or, you know, if you, you donate, so and such amount of money, I'll give you, you know, special water from somewhere and it'll heal your sickness that I prayed over or my prayer cloth. Don't, don't do any of those. Those are just scams. You can't buy the anointing. You know, Matthew in 10, Matthew 10, 5, it says, the 12, th these 12 Jesus sent out and he commanded them saying, do not go into the way of the Gentiles and do not enter any of the, in any city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you preach, go saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead and cast out demons for freely you have received, so freely give. The anointing is freely received through faith by the laying on of hands. That's how you receive the anointing. Through faith by the laying on of hands. Jesus anointed his 12 disciples and then he gave them what to do. He gave them, them the instructions on what to do with it. Go preach, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead and cast out demons. So 
the anointing comes with a purpose. It comes with a purpose. It's not going to just come just to come. It comes with a purpose to accomplish what God wants to be done on this earth. And he said, freely you have received, so freely give. God gave the anointing to his disciples and he said, now freely give it. He didn't tell his, you know, his disciples didn't go out there and charge people. Oh, you want to be healed? Well, you have to pay me this amount of money and then I'll heal you. Or you want a word from God? Well, I need you to donate this amount of money and then you'll get your word from God. They, they didn't do that. There's no, there's no tangible money attached to receiving the anointing. It's received by faith through the laying on of hands. Now, you cannot buy it. And the moment you add a price tag to the anointing, you cheapen what God has given us. You cheapen it. It's something that's so valuable, so costly, so priceless that you cannot, you can't put a price tag on it. You can't try to haggle with it. You can't try to barter with it. You can't try to manipulate with it. That's not what it's for. That's not the purpose of it. And you know, some people will try to do that, but it's false because they're using it incorrectly and it will won't be very long before they lose the anointing just as Samson did because they weren't taking care of it like it should have been taken care of. They weren't protecting it. They weren't stewarding it like it should have been stewarded. So it's very, very important, you know, and it comes by the laying out of hands through faith. And we can see this in 1 Timothy. So 1 Timothy 4.14, it says, do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. And again, in 2 Timothy, Paul writes again, 2 Timothy 1.6. For this reason, I remind you to fan the flame, fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. So we receive the anointing. We receive the gifts of God by the laying on of hands. And this is what I want to hit on you guys. This is really important too, is, you know, it's not how many hands you have laid on you, but it's the quality of those hands. Who is the individual that you have praying for you? Who is the individual that you want to receive the anointing from? What are they operating in? What is the fruits of their life? What are the gifts that you see manifested, you know? What's their character like? These are all the types of things we need to look into when it, before we have somebody come and lay hands on us if we're wanting to receive something from God. If we want to receive an anointing to, to um, you know, like, like the Bible says, to break the works of the devil in your life. Make sure you know who's laying hands on you. Don't just let anybody in the congregation come up and lay hands on you. You know, don't, don't go and just, you know, do all this kind of stuff because there's a spiritual principle with it and there is a transference of a real tangible anointing but we want to make sure that what we are being having allowed being transferred onto us is from God and not something else so we've got to you know be 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 leery and it's good to be hungry it's good to search after these things you know it's good to say God I want you I want to experience the real I want to experience your anointing I want to experience your tangible presence that breaks the yoke of bondage in my life do that search for that seek for that Pray for that, because the Bible tells us if we seek after these things, you know, those who seek and thirst after righteousness will be filled. If we ask, you know, the, we will receive it. If we knock, the door will be opened. So if that's something you want to experience in your life, then do pray. Put a faith out there for that because it's received by faith. But also make sure that the individuals you are going to, to receive the anointing from, you know who they are. They've been established 
You can clearly see the fruits of their life. You clearly know their character. You know, they've been tested and proven by time. Not just any Yehu who walks up to you on the streets and says, I'm so-and-so prophet from the man of God. It's like, you don't know who they are. So, so just keep that in mind. Also, those who want to receive, you know, the anointing, it will cost you everything. The anointing has a cost. And when I say cost, like I said before, not money cost, but a cost of self-sacrifice. The cost of saying, like in Luke twenty-two forty-two, 42, not your will, I mean, not my will, but your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. And, you know, and like Luke 9.24, it says, For whoever would save his life will lose it. If we want to operate in the anointing, you must be prepared to lose your life. You must be prepared to give, give it away. Give yourself, me, myself, I, my hopes, my dreams, my desires, who I think I am, what I think I deserve, what I think I should do. All of that has to be sacrificed, put down. And it says, whoever loses his life for my sake will then save it. So we have to give our life, our will, our desires to God and say, God, not me, not my will, not my ideas, not my desires, but yours be done in my life. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? How do I need to serve your people? How can I serve you? And when we begin to have this heart attitude, we will be given the ability to operate in the anointing. We will have an ability to do things that will be impactful, that will make a difference, that will change the lives of other people because it's not us anymore, but God working through us. And like, you know, the anointing, you have to be humble and you have to be hungry. You have to be humble if you want to be able to operate in the anointing because you have to flow with God. The moment you say, nope, I'm going to do what I want to do. The moment you have the ideas, I'm not going to listen to anybody. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. And you're unable to hear and flow with the anointing. You're unable to hear and flow with God. You'll cut it off because it has a flow with it. And we have to be humble in order to, to see where the flow is going and under to hear the instructions that God's given us that we can act and operate in obedience. And if we want to receive the anointing in our life, we've got to make room for it. We've got to say, okay, God, I'm really gonna make time to press into you. I'm really gonna make time to seek you out. I'm really gonna make time to study your word, to show myself approved so that I can do the works that you've called me to do. We've got to make room for it, just like the Shumanite woman did for Elijah, or because Elijah was a prophet that would come by her house traveling all the time. And she, he would come and stop by her house and he would, she would feed him and then he would go on his way. And she realized he kept coming this route so often. So she, she had her husband build an extra room onto their house to make room for Elijah. What was she doing? She was making room for the anointing. And when she made room for the anointing, the anointing will make room for you. So she made room for Elijah. And Elijah said, woman, you've blessed me so much. You've done this. You've made this house for me or this room for me for when I'm traveling. What can I do for you? And she's like, oh, you, there's nothing. I don't want anything from you. But Elijah found out that her true heart's desire was to have a child. And he prayed for her and God blessed her with a child. 
Why? Because she made room for the anointing by honoring a man of God, by honoring another prophet, by honoring somebody. So when we make room for the anointing, the anointing will make room for us. So, you know, I want to encourage you, you know, encourage you today to do some self-reflection and keep going through the Bible because there's so much more on the anointing that I, I haven't gotten a chance to cover today. But just to encourage you so that and help you understand like what it is, maybe how you can receive it in your life and things you can do so that you can recognize the anointing when it's there and when it's not there. Again, thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. Hope it blessed you. God bless.